NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of In Game Live right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Jared Smith, and we will be your Batman and Robin touring you around the sports world, and more importantly, how you could potentially make some money off of it. That's what we do here in SportsGrid. We uh, give you the edge for you to apply in a number of different ways. Jared, big-time week of action. We see the takeaways from the NFL draft. We talked about that last weekend. We're starting to get plans on how leagues and organizations are going to come on back as we start to flatten the curve and start to think about how sports return in our future. Yeah, I would say light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we're starting to see some some reports and some more confirmed reports, whereas maybe a couple weeks ago we would hear rumblings about ideas and kind of concepts. Now we're actually getting concrete data. And, and the story that Bob Nightingale broke, he, he's been on our network several times. We've had a chance to talk to him. Uh, very, very reputable reporter with the USA Today. He's really kind of broken this story wide open. We are now getting a really, uh, you know, detailed glimpse as to what baseball is going to look like this summer. And, and, and frankly, I, I think it's a, a very sensible plan. And I think it's a plan that could work as long as the testing catches up. All right, so let's talk about this plan, okay? I believe the devil is in the details. And part of what we do here, Jared, is we go down deep, right, to see how can we spin it forward? How can we make some cash off of it? So let's spend some time on that. You articulated that Nightingale kind of put out the plan. We've seen kind of trial balloons from people like Jeff Passan and others before as well. You know, we heard at first, right, Jared, about all 30 teams in Arizona. 
right? Then we also heard about, oh, Arizona and Florida, right? Then we heard about, oh, realignment around uh, spring training facilities, right? Then we heard about geography. Can teams play in their home markets or not? There's been so many ideas out there that I'm getting fatigued and my head is spinning. But let's clarify the, the most recent and what we believe is kind of the, uh, the working model that is on the table, Jared. So first, what we have is that it looks like we are going to have three divisions, right? An East, a Central, and a West. And of course, these would be, in essence, the AL and NL East merged, the AL and NL Central merged, and the AL and NL West merged, okay? Each of those would also have, in essence, a Southern area, right? That you can have games, can maybe ramp up, can maybe have warm weather games later on if we need to in the fall. Obviously in the West, that's Arizona. In the Central, that's Texas. And on the East Coast, that is in the state of Florida. What I find very, very interesting, though, is a couple of pieces about this proposal. And feel free to help me fill in any of the gaps. One is that it looks like these teams are going to play in their home stadiums, okay? So like in the Pacific, in, in the Northeast, you know, the Mets will be playing at City Field. Yankees will play at Yankee Stadium, albeit obviously without fans. And then part of this realignment is to minimize travel, right? You're going to be staying in pretty much the same time zone, going up and down the corridor of I-95 in the east, going up and down in the Pacific time zone, and, you know, the same with the central. The other thing that I think is very interesting is that you will only play, Jared, teams within your division. Okay, so we ain't going to see the Houston Astros coming into Yankee Stadium at all so we can serenade them with booze. And I will get to that a little bit later (laughs) on as well. Missed opportunity for some. But those are the two big ones, right? You're playing in your home parks. These divisions are aligned as per kind of geography or time zone, East, West, Central. And uh, you're staying exclusively in your division, right, Jared? And they think, in essence, they're going to try and get 100, 110, 120 games out of this approach. I think that's the right approach. And I think what they're doing is they're they're kind of giving you a little bit of, of uh, you know, a little bit of leash to kind of have some normalcy. There's right. a little give and take with this plan. There's 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 a, a a little bit of back and forth. So the players that original Arizona plan was not something that the players really responded well to. They didn't want to be uh, away from their families for that long a period of time. It was obviously something that had a chance to succeed logistically. But then when they got the players involved. It, it kind of fell apart, I think. Then they started to compromise a little bit. And, the, and, and this is what should be happening, because I think the players want to play, but they also want to feel comfortable uh, with the surroundings that they are in. Then we heard about this plan. Well, maybe they'll do spring training facilities. Right. Then we'll have G- Cactus League. Then we'll have uh, Grapefruit League. I thought that on paper made a little bit of sense, too. But then you're running into an issue where it's National League teams and American League teams in very unique situations in ballparks that really aren't meant to handle major league situations. Those are single-A teams for the most part. The Grapefruit League teams in Florida all play in the Florida State League high-A ball stadiums. So those are, you know, those are minor league facilities. So, again, you're, you're taking the players out of their element. Finally, we reach this, you know, I want to say phase three of the plan, which is a similar situation, vastly limiting travel. I mean, there's going to be weeks that go by that the Yankees and Mets will never have to get on a plane. They'll just drive back and forth to wherever they go. Philly, Boston, you know, yeah. And then they're and then they'll fly down to Florida and do like two weeks against the Rays and the Marlins. And, And each team will be limiting the travel. 
but they get to play in their home stadiums. Granted, there won't be fans in the stands, but they get to use their locker rooms. They get to have their facilities. They get to have a little bit of a sense of normalcy. And I think the feeling was, yes, there's a little bit more variable. There's a little more unknown with these situations because you have to now keep these guys in check and traveling to different cities will be an, will be a, will be an obstacle. But at least now they feel like they're in a, in a comfortable environment. And it allows for what I think is going to be the most fascinating baseball season uh, of all time. The, it, there's not going to be an asterisk around this season. We will look back on this season. And I believe there's going to be a season, and I think we're going to have a World Series. I think there's going to be fans in the World Series as well. Wow. Maybe not as many as you think, but slowly integrating them. And I think people are going to look back on this baseball season with, you know, the team that wins it. it it's going to be a heck of an accomplishment to overcome all of this adversity and to be able to get to the finish line in what's going to be an absolutely fascinating season in Major League Baseball. This plan makes sense. It seems like this is the direction we're going. Right now, we're really just waiting on Governor Cuomo's go-ahead. Yeah. <laughs> we, need, we, we need New York to finally open things up, and I think it'll happen in the next few weeks. Yeah, fair enough. So let me ask you, because we have talked about other proposals. We've had other kind of questions that remain unanswered for us uh, with some of these proposals. So what do you think about, you know, even within a time zone, Jared, you know, like you said, the state of New York could be experiencing this a lot different than Atlanta, a lot different than Washington, D.C., a lot different than Boston or Baltimore, right? Even when we have these local governments at play, you said you're waiting on, we're waiting on Cuomo. What happens when, you know, Colorado can't go to Arizona because of different states? That would still be a question I have. What about some of these other tweaks? Like we've talked about Will there still be more doubleheaders? Will they need to expand rosters? I've even heard some proposals that have opening up the door for the idea of ties in Major League Baseball, especially if you're going to have increased doubleheaders. With all of this interleague play, will the DH be involved or not, or just when it's the American League Park? There are still some details to be figured out. Will they expand rosters? You know, um, do you think ultimately they will be able to iron out these details in a way that satisfies players, teams, networks, local governments, yes. unions. There's a lot of hurdles here still. My guess is the DH will be universal. My okay. guess is double headers might have ties. Maybe that I'm not sure about that. hundred games. I think that'll be a tough one. Because, uh, you know, baseball, there, there's been ties in baseball. So maybe that's not as hard to handle. Maybe it's a doubleheader situation where if you get in. I absolutely can see some logistical quirks having to be worked into the system. Uh, they were leaning towards an expanded roster situation anyways. So they might just expedite right. that. Maybe they add one guy, two guys. I, I don't think that's as drastic of a rule change because I think they were already going in that direction. The game's been moving in that direction, I think, for the last few years anyway. So that doesn't surprise me. That's not the issue. I think the ties one's in it. You, you can't have 15, 16, 17 inning games if you're playing every day and you're playing doubleheader. Uh, that's something that might have to be looked at, and it might be a drop-dead point at a certain amount of innings. Uh, but it looks like 100 games. It looks like it's going to start right around July 4th. It looks like we're going to have, and we even heard President Trump chime in about this. You know, right. he wasn't totally in favor with the plan, but he did kind of give us an inclination that we're going to slowly, kind of like our country, phase one of getting back to work, slow process. Maybe right. we let, you know, the restaurants are letting in 25%. Well, maybe the stadiums let in 25%. Maybe the first 10,000 fans can come to Yankee Stadium for the Friday night game. And is and, it the free-for-all? 
I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. That's another story. Uh, I don't think there's going to be that much demand for it at first anyways. But eventually, yeah, it probably will become a free. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yankee Stadium's pretty pretty hectic. I, I, I think we'll slowly start to see integration. I mean, think about it. If it was a 1,000 fans, people would go even more crazy. Uh, it, you know, think about being in the stadium for that. I mean, it's, it's history. It's like, it's like the opposite of wanting to be in the packed stadium. It's like you want to be in – you want to be one of, you know, a 1,000 that gets like to watch that. Right, right. It's a collector's item. But I think we'll see phases – and I think President Trump indicated that. He said, well, you know, maybe we'll get more fans in the stands later. You know, and he mentioned specifically Yankee Stadium. And I actually, ironically enough, uh, all of this rests on the shoulders of Governor Cuomo right now. And all eyes are on Albany. Because when he finally lifts the New York City situation and makes it a little less restrictive, then I think that's when baseball will make their final push towards this. Yep, absolutely. And that's why I keep on talking about the local and the state governments have to be a part of this as well. We saw that when it related to Dana White, the UFC, and then the state of California uh, last month, right, with the UFC event that ultimately had to be, uh, I guess, canceled. It wasn't even, it's moved to an upcoming weekend coming up soon, but it was canceled for that location because, you know, you have to, there's so many different stakeholders and constituents to please. You said all eyes were on Governor Cuomo in New York. Well, for a long time, Jared, all eyes were on Rob Manfred and the league office because we already knew about what happened with the Houston Astros. But Jared, we did not know what was going to happen to the Boston Red Sox, who by many accounts were also doing some of the same leveraging of technology to steal some signs. And remember, Major League Baseball was going to have this huge investigation. They came out and talked about the punishments for the Houston Astros. Now, remember also, uh, Joey Cora moved from the Houston Astros in 2017, where they won a World Series title, then became the manager of the Boston Red Sox in 2018. What do you know? The Boston Red Sox become the World Series champions in 2018. And what do you know? There was this cheating, sign-stealing scandal. Cora already is out in Boston for at least a year, but because of his behaviors with the Houston Astros, here's what the Boston Red Sox get in terms of their punishment. And Jared, talk about a kind of glorious Friday news dump, right? Under the, yeah, under right. the shadow of coronavirus, they, they drop this in kind of on a Friday. Um, so the Boston Red Sox are going to lose a second round pick. The Houston Astros lost a first and second round pick, and I believe for multiple years. Um, and, Jared, their video replay staffer uh, has been fired. Um, that's it. That's all that is happening to the Boston Red Sox. Meanwhile, with the Astros, you know, the manager, the GM are gone, uh, you know, out of baseball. Um, they lose two picks, uh, Houston first and second round. Meanwhile, Boston, and they're saying that it wasn't as systematic. It wasn't as in-depth. I don't know. Same manager, and now my Yankees have lost to a team in the American League playoffs who ultimately go on to win the title, but were verified as cheating two years in a row. Let me ask you, what was your reaction when you saw the penalties handed out to the Bo Sox? It was a slap on the wrist. I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Uh, it, we, we expected it to be that. Because we also know that it what because I mean you know let's be frank the Astros I, I don't want to say they got a slap on the wrist too but their pen, their punishment was not in, incredibly severe it was I would say about right on they baseball did just enough not to get a crazy amount of backlash but they didn't really make an example out of the Astros and so if the Astros punishment wasn't scaled up I, nobody expected the Red Sox who by all accounts and and I did read a little bit of the report they it, it was less 
there was no video situation going on. There was no reports of buzzers or anything like that. Right. It was a watered-down version of what the Astros did, and thus they got a watered-down punishment. So I'm not surprised. Does it stick in my craw a little bit? Yeah, I tip my cap. I think the Red Sox were the better team in that series anyways, and they were destined to win the World Series anyways that season. It was one of the okay, most unbelievable RISP uh, postseason uh, uh, streak stretches I've ever seen. Uh, and and they had it. And they did it a lot in in a lot of road game situations in LA during that World Series. So uh, they were the better team. I, I don't really. It doesn't really stick in my craw as much. I think is the Astros one because I do think the Astros one was blatant and it also it really turned the tide of that series. So as much as I hate the Red Sox, I, I don't mind the situation here. I think it's a little bit of a farce that theoretically Alex Cora could come back in 2021 and yep. miss maybe a half of a season, if that. So, it, you know, I mean, it, yeah, that's a little bit of a farce. And, and, you know, let's be real, a lot of the things that Major League Baseball does on the side, Hall of Fame especially, is kind of a farce in, in a sense. So I'm not surprised that this punishment really doesn't fit the crime, and neither did the Astros one. I don't think there really is a punishment that can fit this crime. And the timing of it is unfortunate that Alex Cora is going to pretty much get off scot-free here because we're not going to have much of a season this year. The Red Sox are decimated with injuries anyways. They're already looking ahead uh, towards 2021. They traded away their two best players, one of their best players, and probably their second best pitcher, uh, David Price. And then Chris Sale goes down with Tommy John. So the Red Sox are doomed anyways this year. It really doesn't matter. It was a lost season whether Alex Cora was on the bench or not. Now that he's not going to be maybe maybe we have a reunion in 2021 personally i'm happy the red sox punishment is enough if they lose out of the 100 games i don't know 80 this year maybe that'd be a good punishment for them so you know i bring this up not just because we wanted to bring their punishments and the fact that they were cheaters to light in a way that maybe was swept under the rug but isn't it crazy though you know what what also happened with the houston astros was you started to get players talking smack about other players and stuff and that was just egg on major league baseball's face right it was just a bad look when you started having Clay Bellinger and Carlos Correa, you know, going back and forth about what was really happening. So the fact that the Boston Red Sox, they received their punishment technically, but it is under kind of the cover of night. And then by the time baseball does happen, they're going to be free and clear of this and be on with the actual baseball season. You know what's interesting, though? You talked about the Boston Red Sox and kind of how it was a lost season anyway. Well, I want to put that to the test, Jared. What we're going to do on the other side of the break, when we come back here on In Game Live, we've already talked about how the Major League Baseball season may in fact be organized. So now, Jared, we can get ahead of that and make all our viewers here on In Game Live, even our new viewers down with Cox Media down there in the state of Georgia, we're going to make you some money off of this news, okay? If this is in fact a way, I got a couple theories. I want to put you away, Jared. I think we can get ahead of it. I know you like the futures market, and it's ironic that we then talk about the Boston Red Sox because our friends at FanDuel have hung some Major League Baseball futures, and I want to dig into them with you. And I truly believe that if the Major League Baseball season winds up going down in the way that uh, Nightingale is proposing, and it looks like it is, it looks like this is gaining steam, then we need to turn our attention to the betting market and start getting ahead of this because, Jared, they're going to change these lines pretty quick. So we need to get them right <laughs> now. So open up your laptop, open up your apps, get ready. Because on the other side of the break, we are going to tell you a Major League Baseball futures odds that I think this news 
and the news about the Boston Red Sox that Jared and I were discussing make a pretty damn good bet. Find out what I'm talking about. I know Jared will be here. I know I'm going to be here. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about proposals in other leagues as well. Oh, and by the way, the ponies are still running. We'll talk about them as well. It is a loaded episode of In Game Live. Dave Martinez and Jared Smith giving you the edge right here on Sportsman. Come on right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Laid back. 
All right, everyone, welcome back to In Game Live right here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith. We were talking about the way Major League Baseball may look when they come back, whether that's late June, in July, later this month. One thing's for sure, though, Jared, I would think, right, in all of these sports, whenever they come back, and whether it's a regular season or a playoff or what have you, there has to be some period of time, Jared, letting them kind of get back into quote-unquote game shape, right? That's why we're even seeing maybe some NBA facilities opening next week, allowing three or four players at a time, that sort of thing, because you can't just drop them into the NBA playoffs or day one of the Major League Baseball season. They're going to need some runway to ramp up, right? I agree, and reading an article on The Athletic uh, earlier this week, and Jim Nill, who's the, the, the GM of the Dallas Stars, it was a fascinating article. It was more geared towards hockey, but it was still an interesting article. Anytime I hear a GM, this is why I keep CNBC on all day, they bring on all these like business executives, and like every other one is like a, a part sports owner. And you get this like little slice of like maybe a little inkling of what these guys are talking about behind the scenes. And Jim Nill's article was fascinating because it was talking about just that, the ramp-up period. And according to, to, to Jim, the hockey guys are going to need about five weeks. And it'll be about a week of, I know, it, it, it'll be about a week of individualized workouts. We're hearing now that, yeah, you guys can go maybe three or four groups, three or four guys together with like one team staffer, and they'll do that for a week or two. And then they graduate to maybe half the team or a third of the team, and then they'll graduate to the full team. But it's going to be about a week and a week and a week, and then about two to three weeks of a full training camp. So it's right. going to be about a four to five week period before the hockey doors open and when we can start playing games. So what, what that does is it let, lets you work backwards. And it says, well, if you need five weeks and the season has to start July 1, we better be we, we better be ramping things up by the middle of May or else we're yeah. going to have another issue on our hands. So it, it, like to me, that gives us kind of a basic timeline where if July 1, which is what we're hearing from Bob Nightingale, is kind of that arbitrary date, July 4th, uh, it, then we have to have our guys in training camp by probably the second or at the least, at the, at the latest, the third week of May. Definitely pre-Memorial Day. In the month of May, if all the doors aren't open and teams are not practicing and getting ready, it's going to be tough to play before July 4th. So it kind of gives you an idea, and, and that article was well-sourced, and I encourage anybody to read articles that have interviews with GMs because they'll kind of give you a little, unlike the draft where everyone's trying to hoodwink you, we actually want to get they, – they, they, they want to get the word out here. So they're kind of giving you a little inkling about how long it might take for the ramp-up process. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. And then on the other side of the fence, Jared, you have to consider, you know, how far can you go – without starting to compromise next exactly. year, right? Because the NHL, that makes great sense. Let's say they start actually playing games in July. First of all, hockey in July makes no sense to me, but <laughs> I digress, right? Especially in certain places in this country. But just like every other league, after you have to crown a champion, then you have free agency, then you have a draft, then you have, you know, preseason for the following year. And the NBA and the NHL, they start in like, you know, September, October. Right. So it's everything's going to get crunched and condensed. And I'm sure there's some actuaries in a building figuring out the cost benefit analysis of every contingency plan. But at the start of the show, Jared, we were looking at the plan for Major League Baseball. Right. And they are hoping to still be able to have as many games as possible and ultimately crown a champion for the 2020 baseball season. We talked about how the East, Central and West will be arranged and uh, how they're going to be playing in their home ballparks but among only that division. So I wanted to talk about how we can get ahead of this and make some money off of it. Our partners over at FanDuel, Jared, remember, they don't know how many games they're going to be in a season. 
okay? So the conventional win totals have changed, right? You usually see a number like, oh, 85 and a half is their win total. No, but you're not going to do that because we don't know if this is, you know, 162 games, 140 games, 120, or 85, okay? So what they have done, and I think this is smart, they have changed their futures instead of win totals to winning percentage because that's the same, right? No matter what, it's a, it's a fraction, it's a percentage. It's the, it doesn't matter what the denominator is in terms of the number of games. It is now a percentage, a winning percentage. Let me ask you this, Jared. I think that now that the AL, let's say the AL and NL East have been merged, right? For Not the, quite though. And well, I think that's an important caveat, which okay. but I want you to finish, but there's, a, there's one team in particular. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a little intriguing here. Sure. So think about this. Let's say you're a team in the AL East, like those Boston Red Sox, for example. You are projected to be a 500 team, okay? Which means you got to see two teams that are better than you in Tampa and the Yankees in your schedule, and two teams that are generally your favored to beat, the, the Orioles and the Blue Jays. But now when you throw in the NL East teams in your division, and the NL East happens to be a division with four teams that many people believe are legit playoff contenders, right? You've got the Atlanta Braves, you've got the defending series champs in the Nationals, you've got the Phillies, and you have the New York Mets, all with win totals, or what used to be win totals, above the Red Sox, right? They now are instead of being in a division where they're like the median team, two better and two worse, they are now in a division where out of the 10, there's like six teams projected to be better than them. So what used to be their win total, Jared, was 85 and a half. And that was moving down after the sale injury, after the trade of bets. You translate that over onto FanDuel right now, Jared, the Boston Red Sox, they have a winning percentage of 52% as their winning percentage over under. I think a team like Boston, specifically because the interleague division that's being brought in is a more competitive division, I think it hurts a team like the Red Sox more than most because the, the teams that are being imported are tougher. You know what I mean? Like I agree. In the, Central, in the Central, for example, the NL Central is also like you have a number of teams that are competitive, right? So for a team like the Cleveland Indians, same exact thing. The teams that are being imported into your divisional schedule are tougher, are harder. The, one, the one caveat, I've read, I've read in Nightingale's report, he actually has flopped the Pirates and the Braves, if okay. you notice that. So the Pirates are going to be in the East. The Braves are going to be in the Central. Okay. okay. Which is a very... And the Braves could be one of the best. That so is to fair. take the Braves out of the East, where they don't have to face the Yankees and right. the Mets and That's the Phillies, and then you move them into the Central, where you get a little bit of a weaker underbelly, especially the National League Central, which is very up in the air. Right. The Brewers could be down... Obviously, the Pirates are leaving, uh, but I, I don't trust the rest of the National League Central. And the American League Central has historically been a really poor division, uh, it, you know, outside of the so top team. Let me team. this way. So let's do this. And I, and I know, Jared, you love it when we go deep. So we're going to take care of this and figure this one out. And, you know, you're such an intelligent human being that I know you're going to stick with me throughout all this. I think what we first need to do is almost power rank the divisions. 
the existing six divisions, That's a good right? One. I like. You know what I mean? So let's see if we had the six divisions, which division is the best? I almost would say the N the old NL East, right? I would say almost the NL East is one of the top ones. And I would almost say the NL West is one of the worst ones. You got the Dodgers and then nothing really else. Yeah, I mean the I I would say the AL Central, uh Tigers, White Sox, Fine. Royals. Fine. I would say that would be my 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 last place division. Okay. I, I would say that would be my last place division. Okay. I think the NL Central I think the NL West is a little bit better than you're probably giving credit for. I think the Rockies and the Padres have actually, you know, really improved. D-backs have kind of been hit or miss. Giants, I don't know what's going on with the Giants. And the Dodgers, I think the Dodgers are the best team in baseball, so they're bringing up the weighted average. I would say if I had to rank the divisions, I would go go six AL Central, going bottom up. Six AL Central. I would say fifth. Oh, man, the Pirates are really bad. Uh, Pirates, Brewers. Yeah, I would say say fifth. I I would say tie for fifth. NL Central, and I think the AL East is going to be poor this year, too, outside of the Yankees. I really do. Um, I I think the Yankees are going to run away with that division. The Rays, I think, are going to take a step back, and the Red Sox clearly have taken a step back. Um, So I would say Yankees. Let's give the Yankees the four spot, though, because they're a little bit better, I think, than the top of the NL Central. The the top of the NL Central is not as good as the Yankees. So Yankees, four, we'll give them the AL East at four. Then I would say three AL West. Okay. Two... NL East? No. And yeah. NL West. I think, the, I think the NL East really is the best division. Right. Um, right. I, I really do. Uh, and then so, so NL two West, NL West and then one NL East. Okay. But so, now you're taking the Braves out of the NL East and you're moving the Pirates in. So that changes that. the dynamic completely. It definitely changes it. But, Jared, ultimately what I'm looking to do is see this kind of power rating of the division, right, to see if there's any division that severely benefits – or is severely hampered by this new realignment, right? So, for example, if you think the uh, NL East is the top division, right, and that is being brought in, I guess it's not the best example because, as you've mentioned, the Braves and the Pirates switch. But that means for all the AL East teams, this realignment makes their schedule harder, makes their schedule harder. And so the current win percentage totals that are out there for all the teams – they haven't moved, Jared. No. That means you may look for under bets anyway, correct? Because what we anticipate coming down the pike is something that will make their schedule harder, will make the challenge to them winning games greater, right? So for me, the AL East that's now going to all of a sudden have to also deal with the Mets, the Phillies, and the Nationals, I'm looking at some teams like Maybe I take the Tampa Bay under winning percentage. Maybe the Boston under the- looks nice. I don't that's think they're a 500 out. team. And that's I don't why, think Boston's a 500 team. And that's team. why I mentioned them in the previous segment. Yeah. And I did in my transition. I think there is one team. And that's where I was going to go. And I was trying to set it up that not just because as a Boston hater. But, yes, Boston is that team, in my opinion, Jared, that is already potentially overvalued. And now if you want to try to get ahead of it with these scheduling tweaks, it becomes even tougher for the Red Sox and the teams in the AL East, right? By contrast, if you think the, uh, I think you had the NL Central as rated one of the poor divisions. Remember now they may swap out the Braves for the Pirates. Pirates. That's a but, huge difference. But by my kind of frame of reference here and strategy, Jared, 
that makes me want to consider the over on AL Central futures, right? Because the division opponents now that they're receiving that are being imported that are different this year than we can get ahead of on these bets, it makes their schedule easier having to see, you know, having to see the Brewers, having to see we don't know about some of these teams, right? And so I think that if we go ahead and believe that this Nightingale proposal that we've read and it's starting to gain steam, if we believe that this will be the way divisions are organized, schedules and opponents are organized, I think there's some places that we can get ahead of these future win totals. What do you say in general to that theory? And then let's try and find some teams where it applies. As a good statistician, you know that winning percentage sometimes is better than wins and losses. And sometimes it's a little bit easier to pinpoint winning percentage than it is wins and losses. And we're also, I'm operating under the assumption that we're going to have 100 games. That's a really nice, even number for me to be calculating winning percentages. So uh, I, I think it's a clean way for us to handicap this season. I could promise you this. The only futures that I'm going to be betting probably early on are going to be this winning winning percentages okay i'm not going to touch the futures markets world series or anything like that until we get much clearer of a picture as to what the playoffs are going to look like winning percentages though especially over the course of let's say 100 game sample size let's just call it an even number and an an even lot as they would say in the stock market world uh how would you kind of assess that well atlanta looks pretty tasty at 56 I'll tell you that, that's 56 and 44. I like that winning percentage a lot. That's a winning percentage I, I, I strive for yeah. as a handicapper. And I think Atlanta in that central division can win 56 games. I, I thought they could have a 56 winning percentage NLE. in the NL East. Especially if they're being moved away from the NL East. And the, and the Yankees. And, and I, think, I think that's, I, I think the AL East, I, I think teams are going to struggle in the bigger yeah. cities because they're going to be a little distracted. So I think <laughs> when you're in the open spaces of kind of, the Central and Western Division teams obviously take LA, San Francisco out of the mix, but Denver, uh, Seattle, like those areas that are a little more, you know, kind of spread out and a little more suburban, it's going to be a little easier for teams to maneuver in those areas when they're embedded. Right. When teams are embedded in, in, in Manhattan for two weeks to face right. the Yankees and the Mets in back to back series, it's going to be stressful. So I give a little bit of a lean early in these very early leans that I'm kind of handicapping to the big market teams, to the big city teams that are kind of used to this weird hustle and bustle. Mm. So that, I think that's an interesting early handicap. We'll see if I'm right. We'll see if I'm wrong. I'm not putting all my stock in it. But I think it's a theory I have that the games that are played in the smaller markets might be a little more relaxed early on. Uh, and, and I think I'll, I'll operate under that assumption. So I think Atlanta gets a benefit. They don't have to come to the Northeast at all and play any of those Northeast teams. Right. And I think that's a benefit for them. So I, I'm, I'm heavy on Atlanta. I think this particular line doesn't necessarily indicate the swap in divisions. That's- I don't know if it really takes it into account. So I think there's already an initial boost just based that's on that. And then moving to more of a rural division, I think will help the Braves and their young roster, yeah. which is mostly an international roster too. So I, 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 think this, I think Atlanta is an early favorite for me in that central division. Yeah, so we like Atlanta. Remember, their winning percentage over at our friends on FanDuel is 56%, minus 110 to either side. I'm with you, Jared. I like the over on the Braves there. And I would consider thinking about this when you still can, before these numbers move. If you can get ahead of it and think about what this division realignment means for the strength of schedule and the competitive balance, the teams that you are now going to face in the 2020 season is going to change the overall 
you know, toughness of your schedule. And you can use that as an early tea leaf to read to get into some of these futures markets, okay? So think about it. If you're all of a sudden now going to see the NLS, is that a good thing or a bad thing? If you're all of a sudden going to see the NL East, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And get ahead of it with some of these futures markets. That's what we do here on In Game Live. We dive deep, not only about the story of realignment, but how you can win some money off of it. Major League Baseball was not the only sport that was starting to see schedule contingencies for. We turn our attention to the National Football League on the other side of the break. We talk about the schedule changes. We talk about some news and notes now that the draft is over. And again, how to make some money off of it. That's what we do here, giving you the edge. It is Sports Grid. I'm Dane. He's Jared. This is In Game Live. Come back on the other side of the break. We see how the market moves in the NFL. We see how the schedule may move in the NFL. And we'll do all that right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, here on In Game Live. Giving you the edge on Sports Grid, Dane Martinez and Jared Smith. And Jared, we spent, you know, the uh, last couple of segments talking about Major League Baseball, talking about their realignment proposal and what that could ultimately mean, how we can get ahead of it. We've identified teams like the Braves in that swap, the Red Sox given maybe an upgrade in competition with this proposal, and some other teams as early places to get ahead of, right, Jared? Just like anything else, we're reading the market. It's no different than if right before NFL free agency, you know, we were like, uh-oh, the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to get Tom Brady. Let's steam them in the futures market. We're trying to read the tea leaves and find value in the futures market. That's what we did in Major League Baseball, right? A lot, a lot of steam on the Bucks, especially after they uh, picked up their main man, Rob Gronkowski, who I do think will have an effect, uh, but we'll see exactly what happens. That was the big move we saw in the futures markets. The markets, to me, uh, that's where I really understand things at a more unique level. The game, individual games, and, and again, it goes back to that baseball theory when you stretch out a season – and then, you know, we talked about it, how over 162-game season, maybe the better teams will make the playoffs more. But when you shorten that season, well, that's when other things, other factors are involved. And that's why I'm not going to be playing the futures market as much in baseball as I have been in football because I'm expecting a full season. In fact, I'm expecting expanded season uh, with the postseason situation. Right. So, you know, I'm taking that into account when I'm betting the playoff uh, yes-nos. But also when I'm betting just the futures market itself, the NFL, to me, because of that shorter time window, uh, is 16 games, it, it, to me, the, the underdogs might have a little bit more value early on, where in baseball, we don't really know yet how that shortened situation is going to affect. So stay away from certain markets, and, and that's really what we're here for, just trying to navigate you. Yep, absolutely. And so let's do that and turn our attention to the NFL, just like there's been proposals leaked and trial balloons out there for Major League Baseball. We heard something this week about the NFL and their contingency planning, in essence, right? And that's what everybody has to do, whether it be you trying to plan your, your mother's 70th birthday to when the NFL is going to open up, right? Those are the days and times we're in. So there's an interesting piece out this week about what the NFL may do. And the first thing is... As you mentioned, Jay, like kind of you need something to backwards plan from, right? You sure. need a marker to plan backwards from. And for the NFL, that's the Super Bowl, right? And this year, the Super Bowl is expected to take place February 7th in Tampa Bay in Florida. Well, they have already reached out, they being the NFL, has already reached out to Raymond James Stadium, the city of Tampa, about if another date is open. A date three weeks in the future, a date that I know is close to your heart, it would be February 28th. 2021, Jared, how would that be if the Super Bowl was on that day? It's a special day. I'll be turning the big 3-5 that day. Ooh, okay, fair enough. 35th nice birthday. Way, nice way to move into a new formal demographic group. I like yeah, it. that's right. I do, I do kind of graduate into a, new, uh, into a new group. So that would be one thing, okay? What I find is interesting, and listen, they're hoping that by the time the NFL season is going on, there can be limited fans in the building, maybe adding to those capacity limits as we go through the winter. Obviously, a lot of this still up in the air. But what we're hearing, one of the biggest issues here is that they consider, in essence, that Pro Bowl week 
a flexible week that can be canceled. I, you know, you're only 34 years old, apparently, Jared. I don't know if you remember a time where it used to be there was only one week between the championship I game. I do remember. And it was Super- a while ago, but I do remember. There you go. Not right. that much older than you know? me. You are a little older but, than me, though. Uh, but now there is two weeks, and obviously they would compromise on that and that would be one of the sacrificial lambs. They've talked about how they can move weeks one and two into that window. That's why they're kicking the can down the road, potentially with Tampa Bay. But I found another element of this to be very, very interesting, Jared. The way they are building the schedule is that whoever you play in week three, Jared, you and I are both Jets fans. Let's say the Jets have, you know, uh, the Jets have the Cleveland Browns on the schedule for week three, right? What they will do is they will make sure that the Jets and the Browns in this situation have the same bye week, like week 10 of the season, right? Or let's say you're the uh, Atlanta Falcons and you happen to be playing the Vikings in week three. They're going to make sure that the Falcons and the Vikings have the same week seven bye so that if they get to the point where they have to sacrifice that week of the season or by the time we hit mid-September, you know, we're not ready yet. Um, they have an open date that they can still move and, in essence, kick the can in its entirety down the road. I think, in general, it's smart. And I think, in general, it's smart that they're starting to think about these things now, Jared, because these arenas get booked with all sorts of things from Pope visits to rodeos to Ariana Grande concerts. So you have to get ahead of it right now. And I give kudos to the NFL for thinking about it now. I'll be honest, if this plan makes sense from a logistical standpoint, if they can, you know, it's like a puzzle making the season. If they can make the season this way, I think they should do it. I I think they should not even worry about, oh, we might need the extra time. No, take the extra time. You you know, you put the contingency in the season, take the extra time. If you give another six weeks to the system, to the world, to science, to flush this uh, virus a, a little bit further out of our system and a little bit further off of this planet, it's going to benefit us. I, you know, the more time we have to generate tests and figure out plans and formulate options and ways to logistically get back on track, the better. So if this makes sense, if you can work this out from a monetary standpoint, if you can have the season make sense from a right. logistical standpoint during this time window, I am all for buying yourself another, what, six weeks, five weeks of time to go from Labor Day to October 15th. That's fine. That is perfect. Obviously, we're going to be impatient. We've made it this far. What's another five weeks? But just make sure that if we hit this window or if, we, if this window opens, that we can hit it. So, you know, if this is something that works, let's put our stock in it and let's plan for it. Instead of kind of straddling the fence, I think football fans and sports fans would love to know if you gave us that drop-dead date and say, listen, you know, shooting for Labor Day is a little bit high. We're going to take this, you know, safety route and take the extra five, six weeks. We'll see you on October 15th. I'm fine with that. Okay, so fair enough. So let's, let's see this, though, because earlier in the show, we talked about the potential schedule proposal and how to get ahead of it from a value standpoint, right? Now what we have here in the NFL is a potential schedule that's going to give these teams more time to get their act together. And Jared, one of the things we've said all offseason long is that familiarity seems to be reigning supreme, right? In the free agency market, we've talked about consistency. I believe you've even said in your early handicapping that, you know, that's something you're going to take into account, right? That teams that have the ability to be familiar with each other, the coaching staff, the playbook, the veterans, you may lean more to earlier on in the season. So let me ask you, Jared, will that still remain true 
if they do something like this and kick the can down the road and week one of the NFL season does not happen around Labor Day, but instead they're giving everybody their time and finding a way to have a full 16 games but not start until, say, October 1. Short answer, no. If there's an extra six weeks and if there's a full training camp and a full preseason like there normally is, then no. I am not going to take the continuity as much uh, into account as I would have if this season started on Labor Day with no training camp and no, pre- and, and, and no preseason. So, no, I, I, I'm definitely not going to be holding as much weight to that. And I think it gives guys like Tua a little mm. bit more time to win a job. I think it gives younger teams, maybe it gives Joe Burrow a little bit more time to get up to speed. Maybe okay. it gives a team like the Patriots, who have a new quarterback this season, potentially, who knows, it could be an old quarterback that we've seen on the Patriots before in Brian Hoyer, but we think it's going to be Jared Stidham. We think it's going to be someone else that isn't either Brady or, or someone that's been on the roster before and has started games. So we're going to get a new quarterback in New England. We're going to get a new situation in Cincinnati, basically a regime change with Burrow coming in. Same thing in Miami, even though the head coaches are the same, very different systems, very different quarterbacks triggering those systems. I'll tell you what, if you give me till October 15th, I'm going to FanDuel right now, and I'm betting that two at Tagovailoa starts week one because I'm pretty sure it's still plus, I don't know, what, 210, 200? I am right now. Jared, because that's an exact other way we can attack this, right? If we're going to give people more time, then for those new teams or those rookies, they may have that time, right? So, for example, Jared, let's figure it out. The Dolphins starting quarterback market, okay? Over on FanDuel, Fitzmagic is the favorite at minus 550 right now. Two is at plus 370. 370. Now, if we're hearing that they're already thinking about these contingency plans on how to kick the can down the road, that means you find more value in Tua at plus 370? Well, that's moved a lot. I I saw it at minus 270 plus 210, like, I don't want to say three or four days ago. Yeah, it moved a lot. So something, maybe something happened, or maybe a lot of money has just come in on Fitzmagic, but... I, I don't know, man. To me, if, if you're the Dolphins and, and Tua's got plenty of time to get ready and extra time and he's healthy, I mean, what do you have to lose? I, don't, I mean, you know, you want Fitzpatrick to start the season again? I mean, I get it, but you can always bring Fitzpatrick in later. And, you know, I mean, maybe he maybe it won't be a week one situation, but if I could take a bet on is Tua going to start before week, let's say, six, I'd say yes for sure. Obviously, the odds will be significantly different on that bet than week one. But if he's plus three, whatever, week one, I mean, what can he possibly be week six? Even money, you know, plus 150. Uh, So I would take that bet, too. I think the 300 has some value because I do think there's a chance that we see an extended, you know, pushback for the NFL season, which would give him more time to get ready and get up to speed. So if you want to play the odds, just like we're going to bet on Bob Nightingale's plan to be the right answer. And if that's the case, well, the Braves get an immediate boost and the Pirates get an immediate down, down, you know, downgrade. Well, then we're going to bet on the NFL season. I don't maybe feel as confident in that because I haven't heard as much about the NFL plan. But if, we, if you are convinced that the NFL is pushing back their season. this as a, as a factor in your handicapping and treating it as true. Let's go on to that assumption, right? That the NFL will happen, but they are going to have to kick the can down the road, and it does provide this runway or time for these situations and context that you're talking about. Absolutely. And I think if, you, if you're under that assumption and you're willing to operate under that assumption, then two a plus three whatever has tons of value. And I would absolutely throw down a half a unit on that uh, because I do think at the, at its, at it, at the core – the core of what the Miami Dolphins are going to become is to his team. 
Right. So if like the more time you have to win to, to for him to win that situation, for him to win that locker room, to win that job is going to benefit Tua because the hourglass is running out on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sure. With, with 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 each passing week, uh, it becomes less and less likely that he's the starter. I think at week one, his odds of being the starter are going to be a lot different than in week five. I, I just even if he continues to play adequately well, how can you not give the reins to Tua if he's ready to go? Now, physic physicality, availability is going to obviously be the determining factor here. Maybe he isn't able to practice as much during training camp because of his physical limitations. We don't know that answer yet. That's something we won't know until August or September right, probably. Okay. So, so there's some there's some variables here to consider. But okay. I would say plus 300 is a fair price for that. Let's change up the variables then, Jared. Another bet that can be made is the Chargers starting quarterback in week one, right? So on some level, same theory. Maybe you kick the can down the road. Maybe the rookie has a little bit more time to digest and can hit the ground running in a different way. This specific rookie doesn't have the injury concerns that you're talking about with the Chargers, although I would say he has a little bit more of a significant obstacle in front of him in Terod Taylor. So the market for the Chargers week one starting quarterback, Jared, is minus 370 for Terod, plus 260 for Justin Herbert. What say you? I think this one's a little more clear cut for me. I mean, I think Taylor's the starter week one. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Even he's the starter. The, the yeah. Opening is delayed. Uh, yeah, because I think Taylor's going to win the job. And unlike Fitzpatrick, who's, who's basically, you know, keeping the seat warm at this stage, Terod Taylor still has some confidence in that locker room. And, 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 and I think he's done it before. And this is also a much more veteran-laden Chargers team, especially defensively. Yeah. This is a Chargers you know team. I feel about this. <laughs> and I'm on, the, I'm on the bandwagon, too. I made the bet this week. I got a great price. Chargers to make the playoffs at plus 175. You can still get it uh, in, in the plus range on FanDuel. And I think, especially because that added that seventh postseason team uh, in each conference, that is – Or LAC. I was going back and forth, and we know we talked about that division. I was going back and forth on those two guys, or on those two teams. At the end, it was actually Kenneth Murray that really pushed me towards LAC. I was really impressed, and I think that shows what Tom Telesco is kind of, he's kind of showing his hand a little bit. For them to move up and get a linebacker at that stage in the draft kind of tells you that they are a win-now team, and their window is open with Terod Taylor. I didn't think they would do that and give up future draft picks if they were a Justin Herbert team. So to me, that gave me a little inclination that this Chargers team is going to be rearing to go. They know Terod Taylor's probably only got one crack at this. I agree. He's going to get one crack at the starting job, and if things go south, then you'll see Herbert. But I think it's Taylor's job to lose, and I think he will be the starter week one. So I wouldn't bet this because it's a lot of juice, but I, I, I do think it's a very – and injuries could really shake it up. So, But I do think Taylor's the guy week one for L.A. Listen, I agree with you when it comes to the Chargers. You know, I, I mentioned other quote-unquote win-now moves. Remember, they signed two defenders over age of 30 in the offseason already. Chris Harris, the cornerback from the Broncos, and Linval Joseph to help with that run defense in the middle of that front seven. So I agree with you. You know I do the idea of them being a win-now team. I want to ask you one other place this could be to wrap up this hour on In-Game Live. Remember, Jared, in the NL East, Three of the four teams will have a new head 
coach. The only one that does not is the Philadelphia Eagles with Peterson coming back, right? Obviously, Joe Judge with the Giants, Ron Rivera in Washington, and of course, McCarthy down there in Dallas. We've talked about how this familiarity and consistency helps the Eagles in that division. Do you still think they're in the catbird seat, even if the season opening gets delayed? Yeah, I, I think Philly's still the team to beat. I think Philly and Dallas are two are obviously the the two studs. I, I I like what Philly did in the draft. I mean, people are really coming down on 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 uh, Howie Roseman for that pick of Jalen Hurts. I, I I don't really agree with that assessment. I, I think it was a really strong pick. I like what Jalen Hurts brings to the table. I was always high on his awareness and his ability to make plays, and he's a playmaker. He's a he is a big game player. That, that that's who he is. And I, I, you can't have enough of those guys on your roster. So I, I love the move with Jalen Hurts. Rieger fits a, fits a specific mold. Yeah. It'll be interesting because I think Rieger's a similar receiver to Greg Ward Jr. Maybe Greg Ward a little more of a Swiss Army knife. Rieger a little more of the, the pure deep threat. But they're both kind of burners. And so we'll see how they match them up. Alshon Jeffrey needs to be healthy. And my boy Miles Sanders has to keep churning and burning. They've got two Pro Bowl tight ends. You know, Goddard, I think, is an ascending one. And we know what they have in Zach Ertz. I like the Eagles. I think Dallas is right there. But I give the slight edge to Philly in this spot if I had to pick one or the other. All right. It seems like uh, Jared believes in the Philadelphia Eagles, even if the Cowboys are afforded that extra time given a delay of a season start to hit the ground running. It sounds like Jared still thinks the Eagles reign supreme in the NFC East. That's our number one of in-game live in the books. When we come back on the other side of the break, for our number two, we take a look at some of the evolving news and notes in the NFL and make meaning out of all of it when we come back. Dane and Jared, right here on Sports Grid. It's in-game live. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.